Okay, so really exciting day. And the big news is Jesse Diggins winning in a full on on a championship course in Falun, a place historically she's done quite well. She has a silver medal, I think, in the same event from 2015. Um, I think she had a podium here in 2019 in a 10K skate. Again, my, I've got up very early. I may be wrong. Um, the course suits her. And Yohog, literally, if you're betting you know, for or against an athlete, she's almost a lock for a distance win. In particular, she's won the last 16 skate races she's entered on the World Cup. Um, so maybe let's just talk about the day and wherever you want to go, because it, it was a very exciting race for an interval start race. Yeah, absolutely. And also to have Jesse win in an individual start against Yohog, um, I think is even more impressive. And we had chosen via athlete preference last night, the top 15, the seeded athletes get to choose where within the seeded group they want to start. So Jesse had first choice and uh, because she and Rosie both felt and rightfully so that the course was going to break down and the, and the corners would get very icy. They wanted to go as early as possible. And so having uh, selections one and two, we went for bib numbers uh, 31 and 33, I think it was, and uh, to just be earlier. So uh, Therese didn't start for another uh, 15 minutes. So it made for a pretty interesting race. Therese was definitely getting all of the information off of Jesse, but that's one of those areas where when you were as mentally tough as either Jesse or Therese, it doesn't matter um, where you start. It doesn't matter if somebody's out there cheering for you, if you're hearing splits or not, you are going to give your absolute best. So uh, it was it was awesome watching Jesse be chased, and it was fun watching Teresa on the hunt. But uh, you know, at the at the top of the at the Mordebachen, the the big Mordebachen, <clears throat> which is on the three point seven five with one k to go, Jesse and Teresa were locked up. It was it was tied, and so at that point, you would have to say you'd give that to Jesse. Uh, and now I find it very impressive that Teresa was able to stay within just two seconds of her because Jesse has logged the fastest times from top to bottom on this course uh, in the past. Gotcha. And just to flesh that out a little bit for people who may be unfamiliar, at the top of the course, I think, you know, not knowing the course, people would be like, oh, we'd give the last kilometer to to Yohog because she's Yohog. And I think it was a virtual tie, like you like you mentioned. So you just noted like you would you would give that hand the descent. Uh, I'm assuming that's what you're referring to. That's right to Jesse and it was her race to lose at that point. Yeah, exactly. I think when we heard that that split, um, was, was tied at the top, you know, a lot more damage can happen from Therese on the Mordebach. And so for Jesse to fend her off the way that she did, uh, we all just sort of, I think I'll take that came over the radio. Um, and, uh, it, it ended up being very close. Both men's and women's races were two seconds, uh, to decide the, the winners. Right. And it's interesting because I'm looking at, I, I just, as a, as a note, so roughly you're at the top of the Motorbachen at 9.1 K roughly. Is that the, the split at the top yep. of the hill? That's right. Okay. That's right. And Yohog is up by 1.1 seconds. Yep. Okay. okay. Yep. 
No, that's okay. I wanted to clarify too. And Jesse wins by two point two point one seconds, so she gains gains a little bit of time on the on the descent. Um, but come on, you had to be you weren't nervous in the least bit at that at that closing K for Yohog, or were you pretty certain? We had some hand splits going on um, out on course too, so we had uh, information that the the gap was starting to open a little bit. You know, the smallest of gaps. And I, I just think I have, you know, so much confidence in Jesse's finishing speed that I, I actually wasn't nervous. Um, I won't say I could guarantee us a win there, uh, but because I was watching Teresa ski that final, uh, the final stadium trails, which are on the sprint course, and and she was she was didn't, was uh, looking indefatigable, and she was hammering. So, uh, but you know, this is Jesse Diggins, and when she wants something. It often happens. Anything else you want to mention about Jesse's day before we go on to uh, just explore a little bit more about the women's side? You know, I just find the the sports psychology of racing so interesting. And this is just another one of the days. Um, and Jesse has been uh, this way since the start of the tour to ski where she shows up and you really feel like you're looking at somebody who believes they can win. Um there, uh, when she's like this, she's outgoing. She's, um, she's relaxed. She really looks like she's having a fun time out there with the techs and coaches and her teammates, uh, while she's warming up and, um, sure. Maybe it's a little bit of a tactic, but this stuff works. And this was another one of those days where, uh, Jesse shows up and she's, you know, uh, actually glittering as a, as a human. And it was, uh, it's, pretty confidence instilling when you see an athlete like that. So, you know, looking a little further back, um, you had two other skiers in the top 10 and Rosie Brennan continues to be, you know, consistent. She's eighth today in a, in a as we've noted, a, a loaded world cup field. Um, and Sadie Mobe Bjornsson is back in her first world cup of the year. Again, loaded field, difficult championship course and his 10th, um, so just your comments on those two respective athletes. Yeah, I just got off a little quick conversation with Rosie about her day. And uh, she said she felt better than she did in Lati. And that's a really good sign. I think having some fluctuations to how you feel in these races is uh, is a positive thing. You know, the, the season needs to, to flow. And Rosie has spent quite a bit of time at altitude. And now she's having... Uh, two weeks at sea level with some really high intensity racing. She had a really smart recovery camp after the tour to ski. So I think all of this is come to, is going to come together um, for a really great peaking plan for world championships. So great signs out of Rosie, you know, it's not the wind that um, some of us uh, know she can now get, uh, but it's still a top 10. It's still an incredibly tight race and uh, she's in a great spot. So, feeling good about that. And then with Sadie, so fun, you know, all, all of period one and through the tour to ski, you know, you just keep thinking to yourself, it's like, wow, these results are happening and we don't even have one of our very best skiers starting yet. And so I think it was a, a real cool dose of energy for the whole team, staff and athletes. Uh, Sadie has just been uh, a ball of energy since she's been here. Uh, she does not appear to be jet lagged in any way. And uh, just being with her in distance the other day, it was 
really clear that she's in incredible shape. Uh, she was moving effortlessly and very fluidly and relaxed. Um, and for us to keep up with her as staff, we had to, we had to try pretty hard and she was just chatting the whole time. So we had quite a bit of confidence in Sadie going into the day and the top 10 does not surprise me. Who, I, I mean, I assume you guys have a tough time trying to keep up. Who's the fittest of the, of the crew? Non-racers. Um, it would be Per Bjornstad. He's also mm, the oldest um, from Alta, Norway. Um, Makes sense, I guess. Yep, yep. Uh, he does do uh, two sets of intervals every week, um, but <laughs> where where the rest of us maybe do two sets of intervals every, you know, every year. 